Bed Bath & Beyond says it's dropping MyPillow because it's underperforming after CEO claims anti-Trump pressure. So MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell told Yahoo Finance on Tuesday that several retailers, including Bed Bath & Beyond, told him they were dropping his products because of his ties to President Donald Trump. But Bed Bath & Beyond says it has a non-political reason for ditching MyPillow products. They just aren't selling enough. So basically, they're just saying that it's a bunch of crap. As previously announced, we have been rationalizing our assortment to discontinue a number of underperforming items and brands. This includes the MyPillow product line. A Bed Bath & Beyond spokesperson said in a statement emailed to Yahoo Finance. Our decisions are data-driven, customer-inspired, and are delivering substantial growth in our key destination categories. Now, to be honest, I honestly highly doubt that Bed Bath & Beyond basically got rid of this for non-political reasons. I think it was for political reasons because so many companies get rid of products if either the company CEO or basically anyone associated with the company that's higher up are political. A good example of this is basically... I was listening to a podcast, Volutainment, quite a while ago. But he, the CEO of that, basically the head of that, right, Patrick, he even mentioned that when he started his insurance company, which is a multi-million dollar insurance company, right, he said that when he was first getting started, he went onto Fox to talk about something, Right, And because he got onto Fox just to talk about something, nothing necessarily political, but just to talk about something, he immediately lost, I think, like half a million to almost one to two million dollars worth of clients just because he went onto Fox, right? Like, to me, that's crazy, but it kind of goes to show you that all these different companies will end up treating people pretty differently if they become political in any shape or form. So the outspoken CEO has been one of Trump's most vocal business supporters following a violent attack on the Capitol on January 6, seeking to overturn the election results. The riots, which some argue Trump incited, sparked a strong backlash against Trump and his related businesses from the corporate world. Lindo suggested that the backlash was coming for him, too, telling Minneapolis-based news outlet Care 1-1 that in addition to Bed Bath & Beyond, other big retailers like Kohl's and Wayfair plan on not selling his product anymore. The CEO told Yahoo Finance on Tuesday that left-wing groups that attack with bots and trolls were pressuring retailers to stop dealing with them. Yahoo Finance reached out to Kohl's and Wayfair regarding Lindo's claims and will update this post with any comments we receive back. The most corrupt election in the history of the world, according to Lindo. So Lindo said he will continue to stand by Trump regardless of any pressure it puts on his businesses. This was the most corrupt election in the history of the world, he told Yahoo Finance, echoing claims that were disputed by Trump's now ex-attorney, General William Barr. The CEO's comments on election fraud may make him the subject of a civil lawsuit. Dominion Voting Systems sent Lindo a letter warning of pending litigation tied to his claims that the presidential election was rigged, the New York Times reported on Monday. 
Now, from things that popped up in the news and like different sources, it did show that there was something kind of off with Dominion in specific counties. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the election was completely rigged, right? So you got to be careful with that. But you also got to understand that there's always a grain of truth in everything, whether it be on left or right. And you just got to be careful from the different sources and just make sure like, hey, if you care enough about something, just do more research on it. So Dominion already sued Trump lawyer Sidney Powell earlier this month, although I guess she isn't part of his team, accusing her of making wild accusations that the, that the company fixed the election to go Joe Biden's way. And Trump is facing a growing backlash in the business community, with big names recently cutting ties with him, including his longtime bank, Douche Bank, Canadian e-commerce company, Shopify, cloud-based software company, Salesforce, and payment processor, Stripe. Speaking to Yahoo Finance, Lindo said he believes these companies cut ties with Trump because they thought that maintaining the connection would hurt their businesses. These businesses are scared because they think if they associate with Donald Trump that they're going to be attacked just like my pillow is right now, he said. They're afraid, and they're very afraid for their own livelihood. And this kind of bothers me because like, I feel like no one should go after somebody's business. Right, regardless if they, you know, disagree with them, depending on their political views, left, right, center, not interested kind of thing, right? Like, don't go after the way somebody ends up feeding themselves and their family. Because in my eyes, doing that to you, right? Like let's say that someone did that to you, whoever you might be, seems kinda of wrong, right? Like, no matter who you are, you want to be somewhat empathetic to another human being, right? Because if we're not, then we're just, you know, chimps on a planet floating in space. Netflix will consider buybacks as it returns to positive cash flow after 2021. Netflix said Tuesday it plans to be cash flow neutral this year and cash flow positive every year after 2021 and will no longer need external financing to fund its operations, which is pretty amazing. Ending a decade-long trend vindicating investors who have plowed money into the company despite its cash-burning ways. Netflix also said it will consider share buybacks, a practice it hasn't done since 2011. The last time the company was cash flow positive, the announcement came as part of Netflix earnings announcement, where the company also announced EPS of $1.19 on revenues of $6.64 billion for the fourth quarter, and 203.66 million global subscribers, up from 26 million at the end of 2011, and shares were up about 10% on the news. I mean, think about making $6.64 billion in the fourth quarter, right? Like, that's just crazy. Like, that amount of money is just insane. So for the past 10 years, Netflix has upended the media industry by taking a leap of faith. It has spent billions of dollars on licensed and original content each year to boost its catalog, and along the way, morphed into a replacement product for traditional pay TV in millions of households. Since 2011, Netflix has raised $15 billion in debt to help pay for this content. 
The company said it plans to pay back its outstanding debt that matures in 2021, with this more than $8 billion of cash on hand. Over the years, Netflix skeptics such as Wed Bush analyst Michael Pachter, Pachter? Potter, I don't even know how to pronounce that, P-A-C-H-T-E-R, have pointed out that Netflix's increasing debt load should be concerning for investors as content spending ballooned and the company burned more cash. Netflix has burned more cash every year since 2013, Pachter said CNBC in June 2018. What happens when they need to keep increasing their spending and suddenly they have $10 billion of debt? People are going to start asking, can this company pay us back? If that happens, their lending rate will spike. If Netflix needs to raise capital, they'll issue stock, and that's when investors will get spooked. But that hasn't happened. The cost of original programming hasn't doomed the company. And Tuesday's announcement suggests it won't. Meanwhile, as Netflix has grown, the number of U.S. households in traditional pay TV has dropped from a peak of 100 million in 2012 to about 75 million today. Media executives are now planning for a world where that figure falls to between 50 million and 60 million in five years. So Netflix's market capitalization in January 2011th was $11.5 billion. Today is more than $220 billion. Pandemic quarantines have jump-started Netflix's return to positive cash flow. With production stalled and coronavirus shutdowns and people around the world stuck at home, Netflix added 36.57 million subscribers in 2020 while spending less money on content than usual. Last year, Netflix reported positive quarterly free cash flow for three consecutive quarters for the first time since 2014. The acceleration in subscribers and subsequent movement of all media companies towards streaming has given CEOs Reed Hastings, and Ted Sarando's confidence that Netflix will be able to limit churn and start consistently making money. So the Netflix investor narrative. The unknown question is how investors will respond to the change in Netflix's narrative. While operating a sustainable business without the need for outside debt and share buybacks is business 101. Netflix's stock has risen as investors have increasingly come to the conclusion that Netflix would make good on that promise. We intend to be a much larger and much more profitable self-funding company over time, Hastings said during Netflix's 2019 first quarter earnings conference call. That is the path we're on, and as we talked about it in the letter, we're committed to improve our cash flow profile meaningfully starting in 2020 and then each year thereafter. As Netflix's days of cash burn are behind it, it's possible Netflix may need a new Wall Street narrative to convince investors its future growth story is worthy of the company's lofty valuation. Perhaps that new narrative will be the complete toppling of pay TV with a Netflix-centered bundle of streaming services. The entire entertainment industry has reorganized to prepare for such an occurrence with each major media company developing its own streaming service in the past year or so. But it's also possible rising competition from Disney, Apple, Warner Media and others may stagnate Netflix's subscriber growth. Investors could punish Netflix for share buybacks instead of using it for more content. Activist investor Daniel Loeb has pushed Disney to eliminate its dividend to focus more on new original programming. 
If Netflix is choosing to use excess cash for buybacks, it may be because Hastings and Surrenders think the company's status and ability to raise prices in the future is so strong that they can start to transition the company into a new, more mature phase without seeing a subsequent loss in value. Which, you know, Netflix over time will continuously raise their prices. And I see this actually going on with pretty much every streaming service, right? I think every streaming service will get to the point where they're going to be charging more than 20, more than 30, maybe even more than $50 per month just to use their service. And people might be saying, like, if they end up hearing this or listening to this or watching this, they're like, oh, no, that's too much. The thing is, you're going to get so used to, like, the small increments like like increases per year because they've been doing it already that over like a decade or two decades you're not even going to notice that it's actually $50 a month now right like this is the thing with like monthly memberships that they'll just keep on increasing the price by like 50 cents a dollar here two dollars here and you're just not going to notice it Electric truck maker Rivian raises $2.65 billion ahead of a first vehicle launch. So Robert R.J. Scaringe was quietly raising $2.5 billion in fresh financing for his electric truck company, Rivian. The CEO and founder is used to other companies from startup Nikola Tesla and his Cybertruck, General Motors, and Ford Motor, stealing the limelight with their plans for all-electric pickups. Rivian is expected to be among the first, if not the first, to bring in an all-electric pickup to market in, market early to mid-next year, months, potentially years ahead of its competitors. We're focused on making sure that we deliver, Scaringe told CNBC before the company announced its newest round of funding Friday, and we really value active humility and letting our actions speak louder than our words. T. Rowe Price Associates, a previous investor, led the newest investment round, which was Rivian's first of the year. Other participants included Soros Fund Management, Co2, Fidelity Management and Research Company, and Barron Capital Group, and existing shareholders Amazon and BlackRock also participated, the company said. Although Rivian hasn't received as much attention as Tesla and Scaringe's Twitter account remains unverified, the 37-year-old has worked methodically over the past decade to grow the private company into what might be the first auto startup since Tesla to mass-produce all-electric vehicles. Scaringe said in a June interview that Rivian has no plans of going public for the foreseeable future, but is open to additional financing to help support its aggressive growth plans. We're in a position where we're, we're, we're well capitalized to launch the products, but we are rapidly expanding and growing and accelerating some of our future products, he said. We're seeing demand being significantly higher than what we initially anticipated, which is leading us to capacitive for higher levels of volume. Rivian, according to Scaringe, remains very selective regarding any potential future financing partners. The company has raised about $6 billion in funding so far, and Rivian closed on a $1.3 billion funding round in December and had raised at least $2.2 billion before that. Reuters reported at that time, citing data from PitchBook. In June, CNBC obtained correspondence regarding a funding round for Rivian, saying the company was raising at least $2 billion with a pre-money valuation 
at or above $8 billion at the time, Rivian denied they were raising any money. So Rivian's all-electric product plans, which were delayed several months due to the coronavirus pandemic, include the RIT pickup, the RIS SUV, as well as a line of vans, which Amazon pre-ordered 100,000 of last year for its delivery fleet over the next decade. Which, you know, to me, I think that's kind of odd because really it would have been a lot easier for Amazon to have just ordered vehicles from Tesla, right? Like they could have literally just foot the bill for Tesla and easily have done, basically actually would have gotten their vehicles pretty much by now, right? So the all-electric pickup and SUV are expected to launch early next year, while Amazon expects to have 10,000 of the vans in its fleet by 2022. Rivian has said the pickup and SUV, which debuted in late 2018, will achieve a driving range on a single charge of more than 400 miles in line with Tesla's top Model S, Long Range Plus. Rivian will also produce the vehicles at a former Mitsubishi Motors plant in Normal, or Normal, Illinois, which was purchased for $16 million in 2017. The company is spending more than $750 million to equip, renovate, and expand the facility ahead of production. The fact that Rivian already has the 2.6 million square foot plant, including a paint shop that's nearing completion, puts it ahead of others such as Nikola and Tesla, which has yet to determine the location for production of its Cybertruck. Clearly, we believe in the company and we think he has a great opportunity to succeed, Sandy Schwartz, CEO of Cox Automotive, told CNBC after his company invested $350 million in Rivian in September. We thought this was really a good fit for us and for them. That's not to say Rivian doesn't have its challenges. Producing a vehicle is extremely complex, and even once production has started, Tesla has dominated the all-electric vehicle market with its cult fan base, waiting months, if not years, for its vehicles. But for now, the company is viewed as a front-runner for all-electric utility vehicles, including the vote of confidence from Amazon, according to Sam Abusamid, I don't even know how to pronounce that, Abusamid, Principal Research Analyst at Navigant and an Engineer. The thing is, again, there's already Teslas on the road. There's already working Teslas. And if Elon Musk were to just decide to create a utility vehicle, guess what? I feel like uh, Riven will face some pretty big hardships. Because if Tesla just ends up randomly releasing a utility vehicle, right? And I'm not talking about like the Cybertruck. I'm talking about like, like a legitimate utility vehicle. I don't really know what other company could really compete with them because they're going to have so much market share that it's going to be nuts. At this stage, they're farther along than pretty much anybody, he said. They've been working at this and developing this truck and platform for quite a long time, certainly longer than Tesla has been working on the Cybertruck or Nikola has been working on the Badger. Rivian is taking pre-orders for all its all-electric pickup and SUV that includes $1,000 refundable deposits. The company declined to discuss how many reservations it has taken, other than saying it's happy with our reservation numbers and are confident in demand. 
Rivian, like Tesla, plans to sell its vehicles directly to consumers, bypassing franchise dealers that are used by traditional automakers such as GM and Ford. Scaringe said Rivian, which was founded in 2009, has no plans at this time of going public. He said Nikola, going public through a reverse merger with Vecto IQ, hasn't had any material impact on the company or its plans. For us, we're so focused on launching products, priorities one, two, and three are launch the products, he said. We're not planning or thinking about exit events, liquidity events at this point. We have access to private capital, which allows us to focus on execution. Now, that is something I like because I hate seeing, or or I should say I really dislike seeing companies just continuously raising money and have literally no product, right? So as long as they're completely focused on actually executing and getting a product out there, that's all cool. But as soon as they keep raising money and they go public and they still don't have a product, that is something that I am super against. So Stan Private speaks to Scarinch himself. The father of three boys has spent a decade under the radar as he meticulously planned the company's strategy. That included shifting from an all-electric sports car to utility vehicles in the early 2010s. Scaringe, who lives in Southern California, is known as a driven, level-headed planner who worries over the slightest detail, almost to a fault. As he attempts to achieve his vision, according to several people who have worked with him, he lets his actions speak louder than his words, or his tweets, apparently. One of these don't look like the other. Rivian, they've been very quiet about it. They've been very different about than either Tesla or Nikola, said David Kudlow, Kula, CEO and Chief Investment Strategist of Mainstay Capital Management in Grand Blanc, Michigan. If you look at these th- those three right now, my money is on Rivian in terms of who will execute. That I disagree with because Tesla is already executing. They're the only company with a legitimate mid-priced electric, fully electric vehicle that actually works, right? That actually runs, right? Kudla, who closely follows the automotive industry, believes Rivian would do incredibly well if or when it does go public. Rivian has grown its employees from 700 in 2018 to 2,400 people today. They've attracted a diverse group of executives from the Detroit automakers, Tesla and Harley-Davidson, among others. That's intentionally going after building a mosaic of different experience sets, as Kudla said, that we can take those different experience sets and learn from them. Recent hires have included Rod Copes, who spent 16 years at Harley-Davidson and more recently worked for motorcycle manufacturer Royal Enfield, and its chief operating officer, Matt Horton, a former chief commercial officer of electric bus maker, Proterra, as an executive vice president and Tesla veterans, Charlie Mwangi, a former Tesla senior director of engineering, as executive vice president of manufacturing engineering, and Cindy Nicola, Tesla's former vice president of global recruiting as vice president of talent acquisition. Rivian has lost some top executives, including James Morgan, a veteran of Ford, as chief operating officer and ex-chief technology officer Mike Bell, a former executive with Apple and Intel, among others. Rivian is also in the midst of rebalancing its employees, including some layoffs earlier this year. It's also shifting some of its engineering and product development staff from suburban Detroit to its battery systems and vehicle dynamics operations in Irvine, California. This is not easy. You need thousands of engineers working on the technical aspects 
and you need a production system that takes years to build and to launch, and you need commercial retail and service infrastructure. Scrimmage said, "We're completely focused on getting all those pieces built." MGM. Scraps UK gambling takeover after a 11 billion dollar bid was rejected. So MGM Resorts International is walking away from an attempt to buy the owner of British gambling brand Ladbrokes after its 11 billion dollar bid was rejected. The U.S. casino group said in a statement Tuesday that it would not make a firm offer for Ladbrokes owner Entain following a careful consideration and limited recent engagement. MGM made a 8.1 billion dollar euro, oh, 8.1 billion euro or 11 billion dollar takeover proposal earlier this month, seeking to capitalize on a surge in online betting during the pandemic. But Entain said the offer significantly undervalued the company's shares and its prospects. Shares in Entain surged 25 percent after the MGM offer was disclosed, indicating that investors believed a higher offer was coming. Either from MGM or another competitor. Following the announcement on Tuesday, Entain stock plunged 15% in London, and MGM's shares rose 2.6%. MGM, a major player in Las Vegas, said it remains committed to BetMGM, its existing joint venture with Entain. BetMGM, a sports betting and online gaming company, operates in more than a dozen U.S. states. We remain committed to working with Intain to ensure its strong momentum continues as it expects to be operational in 20 states by the end of 2021. MGM CEO Bill Hornbuckle, what a name, said in a statement. Intain echoed that sentiment in a regulatory filing while touting its credentials. Intain has a clear growth and sustainability strategy backed by leading technology that it is confident will deliver significant value for stakeholders. The company said. The British company's next steps will have to involve hunting for new leadership, with CEO Shay Sidgiv stepping down later this year. The announcement that he would leave Intain to lead a sports streaming platform was made just days after the MGM bid was rejected. Cell-based seafood producer Blue Nalu raises $60 million at its preps as it preps for market launch. So San Diego-based food startup Blue Nalu said Tuesday that it raised $60 million in convertible note financing as it prepares for a possible market launch later this year. This recent financing will allow us to continue advancing our mission in the next phase of our commercialization plans. While we continue to develop strategic partnerships that we expect will provide us with global market reach during the coming years, says Lou Cooperhouse, Blue Nalu's president and CEO, in a statement. Blue Nalu intends to use the funds to complete its regulatory review with the Food and Drug Administration and begin testing its products in a variety of food service establishments across the U.S. The company didn't disclose the names of any food service partners. Plans are also underway to open a nearly forty thousand square foot pilot production facility. Rage Capital led this funding round. Agronomics, Lewis and Clark Agrifood, McWin, KBW Ventures, and City Capital, Sid He, right? S I D D H I, not 
like not the Citibank, but like S-I-D-D-H-I, right? Cell-based or cultured seafood is created by extracting cells from fish and growing the samples in large bioreactors. The company plans on introducing mahi-mahi as its first cultured seafood item, followed by bluefin tuna. Late last year, the Singapore Food Agency approved cell-cultured chicken made by Eat Just. This was the first lab-grown chicken to receive regulatory approval, and the company is seeking to gain additional approvals to sell its products in other markets, including the U.S., how interesting. Now the question is, would you be willing to eat these products that were cultured? Microsoft invests in $30 billion into the driverless car company, Cruise. So Microsoft has invested in Cruise, the General Motors driverless car unit, in a $2 billion funding round that gives the autonomous driving company a 30 billion dollar valuation cruise which was bought by gm for more than one billion dollars in 2016 when it had just 40 employees now has almost 2,000 staff and accounts for more than 40 percent of gm's 71.5 billion dollar market capitalization its latest investment round put its head to head with waymo the google sister company as the world's most valuable autonomous driving startup Waymo raised $3.2 billion last year at an undisclosed valuation that two people said to the FT was more than $30 billion. The investment in Cruise is Microsoft's first major foray into driverless cars, although the software company does have a connected car business that supplies digital chassis and cloud services to the likes of Volkswagen, BMW, and Ford. Satya Nadella, Microsoft chief executive, said that both Cruise and GM would use Microsoft's cloud computing platform Azure, Azure to help them scale and make autonomous transportation mainstream. Mary Barra, GM's chief executive, said America's largest automotive, automotive company would realize even more benefits from cloud computing as we launch 30 new electric vehicles globally by 2025 and create new businesses and services to drive growth. In early trading, GM shares rose over 9.5% after the news. Existing investors GM and Honda also contributed to the latest round, but a specific breakdown was not actually disclosed. SoftBank's Vision Fund is another investor in Cruise, having invested $2.25 billion in 2018 at a valuation of $11.5 billion and topping up his investment in 2019 when the company was valued at $19 billion. The latest fundraising came after a difficult 2020 when COVID-19 halted the testing of driverless vehicles. Cruise was able to resume its testing in San Francisco by becoming an essential service, providing food deliveries with a backup driver. That allowed us to stay on the road while we made dramatic progress on simulation and off-road testing and development, said Dan Aman. Cruz's chief executive officer to the FT late last year. Against the backdrop of a year full of bad things, we've been positively surprised by the ability to continue work, continue productivity. One year ago, Cruz unveiled his flagship ride-hailing vehicle, the Origin, an all-electric vehicle resembling a lounge on wheels with no steering wheel or pedals. Which honestly, I'd be a little bit worried to actually get Side something like that, 
And the thing is, every time that there's like autonomous vehicles, right? I don't really understand like what they're trying to solve, right? Because there's people who actually like to drive, right? Now, of course, there's some people who don't like to drive, but that's why they like the autopilot in quotations of Tesla. But still, a completely automated vehicle. I just don't see a point in it, personally. I like I don't really understand why someone would be really interested in an autonomous vehicle. Because at the same time, you're still going to have to be on the road, right? And so if you are in an autonomous vehicle, but other people are not in an autonomous vehicle, right? That's kind of sketchy, right? Because you're kind of like relying on the AI of your car to react better than a human when a human, like humans, are driving all around you and will easily make mistakes, So the bulk of his testing is done by a fleet of modified Chevy boats with a backup driver, although late last year it received a permit to remove the safety driver altogether. When these cars might actually be deployed for passengers is uncertain, Cruz had originally hoped to launch a driverless ride-hailing service in San Francisco in 2019, but the plans were indefinitely postponed. In a sign of commercial progress, the company signed a deal in November to provide Walmart customers with contact-free delivery in the area of Scottsdale, Arizona, although a backup driver will still be at the wheel. In contrast to the soaring valuations of Cruise and Waymo, Amazon bought the rival self-driving startup Zooks last year for $1.3 billion, which is believed by some analysts to have similar technology to Cruise but a smaller headcount. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, and do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account, and automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below.